This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning. How are you this morning, Naz? Good, Wally. How are you? Uh, feeling great this morning. Uh, the weather looks fantastic. I've got my first golf game arranged for the season. Got a tee time for next Saturday. Uh, latest uh, latest tee time, uh, latest start of the golf season ever for me, uh, certainly in the greater Toronto area. But most importantly, I'm on a high this today because of... Leaf performance from last night. Uh, certainly, uh, the 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 boo birds had been out. Uh, the a lot of people had given up on the Leafs, but I know you hadn't given up on the Leafs, Naz. And uh, you had posted uh, you you post away on Facebook. You're a social media nut, and uh, you made the prediction. I gotta say it. I'm putting it out there for the listeners. Uh, you said the Leafs were going to win last night, and it's going to Game Seven. Uh, so certainly, uh, uh, I, I tend to think, uh, if the Leafs got passed last night, we are going to game seven. Um, so I'll let you chime in on that one, Naz, uh, just so for, let our listeners know, I usually report on, on how you, uh, how you show up on Sunday mornings, what you're wearing. We do live video stream at www.zoomerradio.ca. Uh, but for those of you listening on the radio, Naz is... Be decked out this morning in his Toronto Blue Jay cap, and and he's embarrassed me uh, by showing up in his David Keon number fourteen Toronto Maple Leaf sweater. Uh, Naz, uh, I was thinking the same thing. Unfortunately, I thought it when I was halfway down to the studio this morning. I wanted to celebrate the Leafs' victory in style and wear my number fourteen David Keon sweater, but uh, you beat me to the punch, Naz. Uh, good for you. But tell us. Uh, Tell us your analysis of the game last night and why this is going to Game 7. Well, the referees had a lot to do with the score being as close as it was. That was the worst refereeing Wally I've ever seen in an NHL game. Okay, that was let, let, terrible. Let, let, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me challenge close. you on that one, Naz. Uh, not that I disagree with you, uh, but and, and, the, and the results will show that the Bruins uh, uh, had seven power plays against the Leafs' one. Um, and we challenged the referees. Uh, I think we'd be a lot more vociferous if the Leafs had a loss last night. We can sort of tolerate it because Leafs managed to grit their way through that. But are we just being homers? Not at all. Okay, why not? Well, everybody's saying it, not just the Toronto writers. Everybody across the nation has articles today about the refereeing being brutal last night. Well, and it was brutal. Well, the one call, the one call that um, drives me crazy at times is this this almost uh, automatic um and before I before I uh, finish that thought, I just want to let our listeners know uh, uh, the special guest we do have on the show today. Uh shortly after the first break, uh Harry Neal, 
the uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster, the witty, irreverent, but uh, certainly one of hockey's uh, more intelligent observers. Uh, talk, chatted with Harry on Friday afternoon. Hasn't lost a step, and uh, we've had him on the show before. Looking forward to that. And it's NFL Draft this week, and it's they're calling it one of the most interesting drafts in years. Of course, we're talking, uh, there's four quarterback candidates, and they can't figure out how to rank these four these four guys and who's going to take them. And I know we're Bill, big Bills supporters, so we're hoping the Bills trade up and grab one of these four guys. But we're talking to uh, NFL Washington Redskin legend and Toronto Argo legend Joe Theismann. But let's go back to the – and he'll be on shortly after the second break. Um, the refereeing last night, there's one call. That drives me crazy. Aside from the, uh, it's probably two calls, but it wasn't part of last night's game. The one, the one area when they flip the puck over the uh, over the uh, boards in your own zone, mm-hmm. you get two minute game uh, minor for <clears throat> delay a game, uh, and you know you, you get these crazy calls there where you know the, they just lost the ability to determine what was intentional and what wasn't. So. The, Everything gets penalized, whether you intended to shoot it over the boards or not. But the one where you break the other guy's stick, and you know it's almost like an automatic penalty. I'm not maybe Menaz comment if you if you can whether it is an automatic. But if, you know no, you it's tap not in the rule book like that, right? Yeah. It, it's like the refs call it. You tap a guy's stick and you break it in half. And it just—it's like an automatic call, and it happens at the worst times in these games. And it, I mean, it happened last night. Could have changed the 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 result of the game, and it was just—it was a love tap on the guy's stick. But the, I mean, why should a guy get a penalty if they can't make these sticks that can that can survive these little love taps? Wally, you know what the problem is? The problem is that we—they played the first four games, right? Or yeah, four games, and the referees weren't calling anything. Goes to game five last night, and they're calling these little love taps like nothing, and they're getting penalties for it. They got they have to be consistent. If they're not going to call anything game one, two, three, four, then let them play game five, six, and seven wherever it goes. I don't like it, and I don't like that infraction at all. And uh, yeah, we're on the same we're on the same page with that one, Naz. I mean, <laughs> you know, like. Marshawn you know, skating is, around the reality like is, an idiot and getting away with murder, and he doesn't get oh, into Marshawn. Hey, Marshawn, yeah, uh, you know that's he plays uh, he plays the nasty game, and uh, you know he's in your face the entire game, and that's uh, I think somebody called him the honey badger. I mean, he's just he's just you know he's you know we had this discussion. He's an effective player. Yeah, you know he really is. But last night, Leafs came out. And they got that quick two nothing lead, yeah. and uh, I, I said if the Leafs are going to do anything last night, they got to score the first goal, uh, because in the first two games in Boston, it seemed like they were down four nothing before the game even was yeah. even almost started. The games were over by the, by the by the early second period, effectively. So Leafs got off to the start that they needed to get off to last night, um, and I thought the most critical goal of that game, I think, it was Bozak, the third goal. Um, After they made it two one, you back. know what? The Boston made it two one, and you know you know they were going to come at you. Uh, the fans got into the game, and you know the Leafs scored like a minute later. I thought that was crucial um, to get that two goal lead again. Of course, then we got the uh, Van Riemsdyk scored uh, uh, from his office, as as we call it. You know, Gretzky used to have the office behind the net. Van Riemsdyk's got his little office there beside the net, roofed it, got it up really quickly, four to one. 
And four to you, one. Know, you know how I feel about four to one uh, Toronto leads against Boston in the playoffs. Um, like as we joke about it on the show, we've joked about it quite a bit. I, I've said I've, I've been in I've been in psychological counseling for the last five years, <laughs> trying to recover from the last time we we spit up the bit on the four to one lead. Uh, so it was four to one last night, and it was early. It was a little bit earlier in the game, and then the Bruins came on. Uh, they got the four to two before the end of the second period, and then they got that one uh, early in the third period. And I said, "Oh my God, we're not going back there, are we?" And uh, they hung tough. Yeah, they hung tough. tough. And you know, the guy they got to give credit to is is Freddie Anderson. Yeah, Freddie Anderson played well last night, and the, the goals that were scored. To see the bounces off the glass and in front of the net, it was incredible how Boston scored those goals. He made some great saves last night. He did, but you know. When you have six or seven power plays, I wonder how many shots there were on the power play. Because Boston had 45 shots on that. I would reckon to say 20 to 25 of them were on the power play. So it kind of makes the shot differential a little different than really what the game was about. Toronto played really well, didn't have a good third period, but they hung up. Yeah, I don't want to belabor the point, but... um you know, you get in a, in a playoff game that's as heated as that one. And, you know, Toronto wasn't playing a dirty game. Um, I, I just find it a little bit astounding that you have such a difference in in uh, penalty calls. And, you know, are the refs playing homer because it's in Boston? Do you get, you know, I mean, just think about it. If that game last night's played in Toronto, uh, do we really think that there's going to be seven penalty calls against the Toronto Maple Leafs and one against the Boston Bruins if that game's at the ACC? What, what, what that's not going to happen because the refs are What are you trying to say here? Uh, well, you know what? I, you know, I've always said, and I, and I don't like to be critical of referees. Really, I don't. Uh, I've always said the, the NHL has the best referees in all of professional sports. I mean, everybody goes to town on the NFL referees, and they're not even full-time guys. The NBA referees, oh, we don't even want to talk about that. Soccer referees? Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding sure. me? Uh, you know, by and large, NHL referees are at the top of the uh, top of the class. They're they're true. You know, and, and you know, I mean, like anybody else, they have good games and bad games. But in a playoff game of the magnitude that you have last night, if the Leafs didn't win that game. Oh, I wouldn't want to even read the Twitter verse or the or the or the headlines in in some of the papers. And Steve Simmons in in today's Toronto Sun, and uh, you know he was he's very critical of the referees. I mean, his comment as you know in uh, on Twitter overnight was uh, he had to double check to see whether the referees were wearing black and gold uh, sweaters instead of the usual black and white. A little bit over the top. Um, uh, so but, do, you, do you see what Mike Babcock did with the lines? He went with four balanced lines and played each line evenly last night. It's an interesting concept because you couldn't tell which is the first line and which is the fourth line if you took a look at the guys that were on well, each line. Well, uh, yeah, you know, and hopefully that'll pay dividends as the series progresses because, you know, I, you know, I don't think, you know, in, in it, the comment was because they were killing penalties for a good chunk of the game. A lot of their stars, like Nylander and Matthews, who really don't kill penalties, didn't get yeah. much ice time. I'm and Hainsey's out there, and he was out there almost the entire game, it seemed like, because he kills penalties. And, uh, you know, Hainsey was out there for the last three and a half of the last four and a half minutes. Uh, so he's, he's getting a lot of ice time. And, you know, if they've got to kill 
Uh, if they got to spend that much time killing penalties, I mean, he's the key guy out there for that. The, the least missed Kadri in the three games he was suspended, for sure. And I wonder why he got three games. I still don't understand that. You know, we got to go to break. Uh, you know, having seen some of the other suspensions that they gave during the— you know, that was a reputation call. I mean, uh, you look at some of the other suspensions that have happened during the playoffs, and what Kadri did wasn't wasn't worse than what other guys did to get one game suspension. He got three games because of his reputation. I can't think of any other reason. Uh, I agree. Um, you know, we've been critical of headshots. Obviously, um, that should have been a one gamer, uh, and he got three games at max, max two games. He got the three games because of his history. Anyways, we've got Harry Neal. And we've got Joe Theismann. And we're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I have family in Caprese, home of Michelangelo, who famously painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years. We must be distant relatives, because it took me almost as long to paint the ceiling of my garage. I'm sure he did a bunch of nudes, but I did two coats. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. And if you have access to an iPad or a computer, we also live stream, or an iPhone for that matter, or any other phone. We also live video stream at www.zoomerradio.ca. You can tune us in online. You can see Naz wearing his uh, number 14 uh, Keon jersey this morning, putting me to shame. Uh, but we're what, pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour Hall of Fame broadcaster, Harry Neal. Good morning, Harry. How are you, sir? 
Not too bad. How are you? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, of course, uh, the talk of the town this morning, uh, Harry, is the Maple Leafs winning the game last night. Uh, you gave us your assessment of, uh, of the game. I hope you had the opportunity of watching it and the performance of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs so far, Harry. Well, for, uh, for first of all, the Toronto Maple Leafs' best players almost all to a man, were their best players, and that wasn't true in earlier games. And uh, the goaltender had a big uh, assignment, especially in the third period, and he came through, and, you know, Toronto's got a chance now coming back home and prolonging the series. Harry, uh, playoff pass. You were involved in an overtime game against the Washington Capitals. I think it was three or four periods and went into overtime. Well, was that the most uh, exciting game you've seen, or have you? Does one ever another one stand out? Well, when you're in overtime in the in the playoffs in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, it's whether it's a good period or not. It's exciting because the, the next goal ends the game. And uh, as I recall, that game we were cheering for somebody to get the next goal because it was a long race to the washroom, uh, and uh, we got hungry and thirsty and. <laughs> And it went on and on and on, and I think if I forget who played Washington uh, Islanders. Yeah, and they had to play the next night <laughs> if they won. So I don't know what time they got back to New York. I know it's on a long ride, but it was an exciting game. And all you know, once the game gets into overtime and and the the pressure's on, and it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is the greatest playoff in sports, in my opinion. Uh, it's exciting, even though the period may not be quite as good as the first two or three as far as wide open play is concerned. We're talking to Harry Neal. Harry, um, Naz and I were chatting earlier, and there's been some criticism uh, in some of the early media reports about the referees in last night's uh, Boston-Toronto game. Uh, Of course, the Leafs had to uh, kill off seven penalties, and the Bruins only one. And uh, some people are questioning that. Uh, I never question the integrity of of NHL referees. I think they're the best referees in professional sports. Uh, But certainly, if you're you've been in games uh, probably over the course of your career where uh, you you look back after the game and you say, how is it we got all the penalties in that game? Um, uh, You're Mike Babcock. Obviously, you're happy because you won the game. But uh, how does a coach react to such an imbalance in in referees' calls in one game, Harry? Well, it's not an an easy pill to swallow, that's for sure, because there are all kinds of incidents that occur other than the eight penalties that were called and seven against Toronto that may have been penalties or not. And the referee has a tough job. And uh, he, I can guarantee you this, they don't keep count of who's getting the penalties and we owe you one kind of philosophy. They call what they see. Sometimes they're not quite as right as they usually are. And uh, to, to have that kind of a disproportionate number, seven to one, is highly... Uh, uh, doesn't happen very often, that's for sure. But and I'm sure a couple of the seven penalties the Leafs took were debatable. But that's life in the NHL, and uh, uh, the referees have a very difficult job. And uh, you know, of the of the three teams on the ice, the two teams playing against each other, and the referees and the linesmen, they never win. <laughs> Harry um, Bob Cole hasn't done a game in the playoffs, and is not going to. What are your thoughts on him not being? Uh put into the broadcast booth for the playoffs? 
Well, I'm a big fan of Bob's. I did uh, all hundreds of games with him, and he's one of the best that ever did play-by-play in the NHL. And I don't know the the routine now isn't quite the same when uh, CBC had all the playoff games in Canada. Now it's shared, of course. And when you in the first and second rounds, when there are so many games, it is amazing to me that Bob doesn't get at least a couple in the first two rounds. But I don't. Uh, make that decision and I know where Bob's coming from because he's a dedicated broadcaster and he loved the playoffs and uh, usually the announcers do a better job in the playoffs than than they do during the season as do the players. Uh, we're talking to Harry. Harry, I always thought you and Bob uh we're, we're, if not the greatest uh, tandem in the booth, uh, certainly in, in all the professional sports for that matter, not just not just hockey. I thought you and Bob were uh, at the top top of your uh, top of your profession, and we certainly, uh, speaking on behalf of myself and our listeners, we certainly miss you uh, terribly. To be to be quite frank with you, but uh, going back to the Leafs, uh, obviously it's it's the morning after. We've got Game Six coming up. And hopefully, Game Seven, uh, being a Toronto sports radio show, we can say that. Um, what's the roadmap based on what you've seen in in the first five games? What's the roadmap for the Toronto Maple Leafs to win this series? Well, I think as I mentioned earlier, their best players have to be their best players, and that wasn't true early in the series, but it certainly was last night. I thought defensively, I think they got to be a little more responsible in their own end of the rink. Uh, they get a. They should. Some of the Leaf players should get an assist on the Boston goals. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think the coaches are going to say, let's just play the way we did last night, and uh, it's going to be an interesting game because Boston thought they had the series like wound up. I'm sure, and uh, they just couldn't get the goal when they needed it to tie the game and maybe go into overtime. But uh, you know, at least Toronto's got some good. Uh, performances to go by and before this game in the last couple for sure they couldn't say that and so their confidence has to be a little higher than it's been and confidence is such a factor in the outcome of a hockey game uh, i think the leafs have a chance of prolonging the series now whether they can win three in a row to win the series i'm not saying that because when they go back for game six if there is a game six it'll be a very difficult place to play uh, the leafs uh, certainly in game in game four when the uh you know, a couple of, uh, I guess, questionable uh, uh, decisions by some of their defensemen, which received a, an incredible amount of criticism from a lot of people in hockey quarters. Uh, the, of course, the two-on-ones where they gave up those two goals, and uh, the defensemen were, were, were severely criticized because the defensemen's expected to take the man, and the goalie is supposed to take the shooter. Um, and... Uh, your reaction to that it was uh, was that was that fair criticism of how the Leaf defensemen handled those two on ones, or was it a little bit over the top? Well, I think so because the two defensemen that up, that caused the two on ones, you can't take them off the hook. And in a two on one against good hockey players, you've got a difficult assignment. You want you you know if they complete the pass across. It's going in the net because the goalie can't move that quickly, and there's a half a net to shoot at. And on the other hand, if the guy that has the puck decides to fake the pass or look like he's going to make the pass and make the shot, then it's the goalie has a tough assignment. But I think the rule of thumb should be don't allow the pass across, 
But if you can do that by not quite ignoring the guy with the puck, then do it. But a two-on-one should end up, if the two players with the two-on-one are any good at all, in a scoring chance. And the goalie has to play the man with the puck, that's for sure. And so he gets a bit of an assi- uh, an edge if the guy doesn't make the pass across because he's zeroing in on that shot. But the shot's from about 15 feet out, and the guy, if he's any good at all, he's probably going to beat the goalie or force him into a great save. But the, the mistakes were made at the offensive blue line, and I don't think you can blame the two defensemen that were caught in the two-on-ones. They played the pass, and they didn't stop it, and that they, they might as well throw their hands up in the air because there's going to be a goal. Harry, Harry, is there any other team that impresses you in the Stanley Cup playoffs that could go all the way? Well, when people ask me who I think is going to win the Stanley Cup from the end of the season on, uh, I think I've got about five different teams that I think <laughs> might win it. There's certainly uh, now in the NHL with the parity there is, it's difficult to pick some team who's going to be good enough to go four rounds in playoff uh, chem- with playoff chemistry in the tough games that are played and the the uh, physicality that goes on in the games. I don't know how they possibly get to the fourth round and have two legs to play on. But I would say that uh, uh, Nashville has a very good chance of doing it because they're a pretty good offensive team and they're very good defensively. They may have the best four defensemen in the league and they'll play the life out of them. But on the other hand, the dark horse, I think, and I don't know how dark it is, but Winnipeg has really been impressive to me. They're a physical team. They've got some real speed and offense, and their defense is a lot better than I thought it would be when I looked at the lineups at the start of the year. So my picks today, but if you phone me an hour later, they might not be the same, <laughs> would be Nashville or Winnipeg. i got to ask you, Harry, uh, you, we, we were chatting on the phone the other day, and had uh, uh, you haven't lost a step, my friend. Uh, you're still, you're still, pretty, uh, still pretty good with the quips, and uh, the, one, the one thing that uh, we agree upon, uh, some of these late-night games are getting pretty tough to stay up for, and uh, I know you, you, you asked me not to ask you any questions about any late-night games, and I think I responded, don't worry about it, Harry. I can't stay up for the late ones either. Uh, but there's one team out in the West that uh, is completely uh, continues to astonish uh, me and, and and I'm sure you and everybody else. And uh, haven't been able to watch a lot of their haven't been able to watch any of their playoff games yet because they're on uh, way too late for me. Uh, the Las Vegas Knights. Uh, Harry, can you please explain this to me? Uh, I I I. I, I, when does when does the Cinderella lose the slipper? I mean, the, this this is the, the most uh, astounding story. Uh, do they really have a legitimate shot at the Stanley Cup? Well, they have a shot. I don't know how legitimate it is because to win four rounds, you have to be a, a pretty good hockey team. Nothing against their team, but we have to remember this: as an expansion team in the past, this is nothing like that. There are all kinds of players in that team who were very good players with the team that they were with, but because of the salary cap and re-signing younger players, uh, these teams had to put out for grabs uh, two or three guys that they'd like to keep, but they couldn't. So they've got a team, and and, and when you're a a good player, and I would say about two-thirds of the Las Vegas team's lineup were players the team that lost them didn't want to lose them, but they had to put people up. Uh, under the rules of the NHL expansion that they didn't want to for financial reasons or uh, a number of people in the same position. So uh, 
I, I think it's been a great story, and uh, uh, I think that the, the, the management there and uh, Gerard Gallant, the coach, have done a terrific job with a group of guys that have never played together before. But I think that the players, almost to a man, especially the ones that were uh, pretty good players from the team that were, we were on before they were drafted, are, uh, have a complete uh, goal in mind and are going to be very difficult to take off the path to that goal. Now, whether they're good enough to win four rounds, I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing, if they don't, they've still had a terrific year and the next expansion team must be rubbing their hands together thinking what kind of a team they could start off with. Harry, you, you live in Buffalo, and we have a lot of listeners down the uh, Niagara Peninsula. What are they doing with the Buffalo Sabres? Because I, they're going, they seem to be going nowhere. And uh, what would you do with Buffalo? I think that they've got to uh, do something that's very painful and doesn't taste very good at all and go into a complete rebuilding uh, uh, situation where they're not trying to get necessarily quite a bit better next year. They're looking two and three years ahead. And scouts have told me, and I know the Buffalo management, the current Buffalo management is taking a look in that direction, that they've got a half a dozen real good prospects because some prospects become suspects. We know that, especially if you rush them in too fast. So I think what they have to do, and it's easy to say, but it's difficult to do in a market like Buffalo, which is a great hockey market, they have to be more patient than most fans want to be because what they've done in the past hasn't worked. And it sticks out like a sore thumb now. And to get the sore thumb better so it's not sore is going to take some time. And they've got a lot of draft picks. Uh, and they got to make sure they get good prospects. And the, as I said, the scouts have told me that the players, some of them are playing junior, some of them are playing college, some of them are playing in Europe. And you add those guys to the uh, group that they're going to draft, you've probably, if you've done a good job, you've probably – got to step in the right direction but it's a small step and if you try and make it a long step you're asking for more trouble but last group did that and it hasn't worked we've been talking to harry neal uh, hall of fame broadcaster uh harry we're we're gonna let you go uh you know we always appreciate your time um uh we we sincerely appreciate it. remember the last time we chatted on the air i think you were out walking the dog that day so hopefully uh hopefully you take advantage of the weather today we finally got some good weather in this area oh, yeah. uh uh we uh we we look back finally on your days on hockey night in canada with you and bob cole and uh you two guys are both legends we sincerely appreciate your time and uh and uh, thanks so much for this harry Okay, well, the next time you're stuck for somebody, give me a call. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't lost the step, Harry. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Okay, I enjoy talking to you. Thanks, Harry. Uh, Harry Neal. And uh, certainly, you know, he's uh, really astute observer of the game, Uh, one of the smartest hockey minds and uh, a totally irreverent wit. Um, Sense of humor, him and Bob Cole, really. I can't. Him and Joe Bowen were, were. Partners, t- too, partners and they were really while. fun. Yeah. They were really fun. The Leaf games he used to do on Wednesday nights, and it was it was uh, him and uh, Joe Bowen. Yeah, um, certainly. Funny ha- guys, Harry and Bob. Uh, you know the only the only uh, you know there was a, there was of course uh, Danny Galvin and Dick Irvin. Um, I think we're maybe showing our age here, Nez. Uh, but, okay. th- but this is Zoomer Radio. So uh, Danny Gallman, Dick Irvin, uh, different uh, different combination. Bob Cole and Harry Neal, um, 
the chemistry between those two guys was phenomenal. Harry, sense of humor like uh, like uh, nobody I know in the hockey world, uh, and uh, he can make he can make fun of himself, and uh, but an astute hockey mind. And uh, he's, uh, like I said, Bob and Harry are missed. Uh, up until this year, I used to tweet. Uh, they always used to ask me, which hockey series are you going to watch? Which playoff series are you going to watch? Well, uh, unless the Leafs, obviously the Leafs are not going to watch it. But I always said, I'm going to watch the one that Bob Cole is broadcasting. I have nothing against Jim Houston, but to me... He doesn't seem like a Toronto Maple Leaf. He's a Vancouver yeah, Canuck. But, you know, but that's, you know what? No, Wally, because yeah, yeah, it, does you know, make not it, it makes a difference to, to a Leaf. I'm a homer. But. Yeah, but, you know, the criticism uh, the criticism of Joe Bowen, um, and we're homers. Let's be honest, Naz, we're homers. We're Toronto Maple Leaf fans. I mean, there's we don't, we don't pull any punches on this show. We don't pretend to be anything other than we are. Uh, we're, we're Toronto Maple Leafs fans, and we love Joe Bowen for that. But that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. If you're, if you, you know, it shouldn't rub people the wrong way if he's broadcasting Toronto Maple Leaf games. But you know what? They're expected to be impartial. Um, they're expected to be objective. That's the nature of their work. Uh, Jim Eusen, is he a Vancouver? I, I, I find Jim Eusen a good a broadcaster. Yeah, he's a good broadcaster, but he's considered uh, a Vancouver Canuck. I mean, I'm not sure he Van- is. You know, I, I, yeah, because he spent all those years. Uh, broadcasting Vancouver, uh, the Western games when Bob Cole was doing the, the, the Leaf games. Um, and then I remember when we chatted with Bob Cole, the last time we chatted, actually I chatted with him on Friday. I was trying to get him for the show this Sunday morning and I had a good chat with him. And uh, some of which I, I, you know, it's private. Uh, I really don't want to chat about it on the air. He's not happy, to be honest with you, yeah, sure. uh, that he's uh, he's not broadcasting playoff games. Uh, um, that's about all I can, uh, I'm going to say. I mean, he's uh, he's he understands he's going to be back next year, and he understands uh, uh, that he wants he wants to continue broadcasting, and uh, and it's in, and from a fan's perspective, uh, you know, we we all have to cross that threshold, mm-hmm. and we t- we chatted about it last week. You know, yeah. it's it's a difficult decision, I'm sure, for Rogers as well. Um, when do you move on to the next generation? Um, and and that's a, that's a difficult question in all kinds of work, you know. I we go through this with our parents. When when do we say, you know, your parents get into their eighties or whatever? When do you stop driving? When do you stop doing things for yourself? I mean, and that the analogy to Bob Cole broadcasting hockey obviously is not a perfect one, but there's there's a moment in time where you have to say, I have to walk away. Uh, and then turn it over to the next generation. I didn't think it was. I don't think it's Bob Cole's time. I'm still think he elevates a game. I think he can do a game at a at a level and and provide entertainment better than anybody else in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when I listen to Bob Cole, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm listening to uh, an elderly gentleman. I I'm listening to a guy who still has an incredible passion for a game and can make a boring game entertaining and can make a great game beyond belief. That's my opinion. And hopefully, you know, he'll be back next year. But it's kind of sad not uh, listening to Bob Cole uh, in the playoffs this year. Anyways, we've got to go to break. And we'll be right back after the break with Joe Theismann. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my newfound Italian heritage. I'm in Rimini on the Adriatic coast, famous for its wide sandy beaches. All the Italian men seem to be wearing very small swimsuits, like women's bikini bottoms. I haven't seen this much junk since I last watched Storage Wars. 
Pizzaville Stone Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Washington Redskin, Notre Dame and Toronto Argonaut legend, Joe Theismann. Joe, thank you so much for joining us, and we apologize. Uh, we're running slightly a little bit behind, and we apologize for that. How are you, Joe? No problem. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing great, Joe. Uh, we're going to get right into it with you, my friend. Uh, it's NFL Draft uh, this week, uh, starting April 26th. Um, some people in some quarters are calling it uh, the most interesting draft in a long time because we can't figure out who's going where. Uh, and the, the, the topic of discussion this year is the Big Four. Of course, I'm talking about Darnold, Rosen, Allen, and Mayfield, and their quarterbacks. And you're a quarterback, Joe. Um, how do you assess uh, uh, the four quarterbacks? Is there is there one or two that you think has separated himself from the other two uh, which which one do you foresee perhaps going number one, or where do you where do you rank them, or where do you see them going? I, I don't I don't necessarily see any of those four having separated themselves from anybody. The other one is Mason Rudolph. You need to throw in there a little bit, and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. You know, so there's yep. there's really six of them. Um, the intrigue is first of all who goes where. You're absolutely right, but in my opinion, I think. If you waited on Rosen or you waited on Darnold or you waited on Mayfield or you waited on Allen, I mean, it, uh, Josh Allen from Wyoming, the thing that concerns me about him, every one of them has a question mark. You hear you know, Josh Allen's 56% completion percentage at the college level when we know they don't play very complex defenses. Baker Mayfield, his height could be an issue. Josh, uh, uh, Josh Allen, uh, or I should say Josh Rosen, his, you know, his head coach comes out and says he has to stay focused. And uh, Sam Darnold is 
I think the one that everybody somewhat concedes that doesn't necessarily have as big a hole as anybody. So I probably I would probably rank them uh, Darnold first, Rosen second, Mayfield, and then uh, and Allen. But every one of them is intriguing. And the other thing too is I think a lot of the drama and a lot of the intrigue comes in what Cleveland's going to do, what are the Jets going to do, what are the Giants going to do. Those top four picks, Cleveland with two, the Jets and the Giants, um, they they make it very interesting because normally when you're a football team that loses a lot, you need more than just one position. And Cleveland went and got Tyrod Taylor. And that's why I think Saquon Barkley should be the number one pick in the draft. And the reason I say that is simple. Look at what Leonard Fournette did for the Jacksonville Jaguars, what Kamara did in New Orleans, what Hunt did in Kansas City, and a healthy Todd Gurley did with the Rams, and the importance of a Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. It, one of the positions nobody talks about is the impact and effect that a great running game can have on the quarterback position. And so, to me, they can always get one of those other guys two picks later on at the fourth pick if they keep it. So I don't see one necessarily separating himself from the other. Joe, what are the uh, Giants and um, Dolphins thinking? Tannehill is always hurt, so I'm wondering if they want a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And are the Giants going to take a quarterback at number two? I don't think they need to. I think Eli's probably got a couple years. They'll, you know, two years ago, what happened is their offensive line wasn't very good. And then they decided not to do anything and started the same five guys, and they wound up with the same results, you know, which made no sense. I, you know, they made the deal for uh, Nate Solder. Um, I, I think, to me, if I was the Giants, you know, you're going to be picking in the top 30 uh, again. But if I'm the Giants, I might even consider an offensive line in there. You know, one of the kids from Notre Dame, either Nelson or McGlinty. Uh, McGlinty. Uh, he, uh, do, do they need the quarterback now? I don't think so. I think you've got a little bit of time on your hands, and you can take a look at what might possibly be coming out next year. So, to me, uh, they're intriguing. The Jets need to go get a quarterback. Josh McCallan's going to be 170. <laughs> I mean, it seems like he's been – God bless him. It seems like he's been around forever, and he just keeps doing a good job. I mean, he had a pretty good season last year, so – but they, they do need to take one of them. We're t- um, and, and like I say, Cleveland will probably take, take one of them as well. But the Giants, again, there's somewhat of a wild card there. I think they may go running back if, uh, if Cleveland passes on it. What about the Dolphins with Tannehill? You, you, you bring up a great point. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to, you know, they gave him a lot of money and he played well, but he can't stay healthy. Now, is this the year that he finally gets past all of the health issues? Certainly the Dolphins hope that. I don't necessarily think they need to go grab one. You know, they sort of made a, you know, they went and got Jay Cutler last year because Adam had a, a relationship with him in Chicago. But um, I still think you could pick up, you know, somebody a little bit later in the draft as far as a, a backup goes. But, you know, you have to count on Tannehill being your guy. We're talking to Joe Theismann. Joe, we're going to bring the topic a little bit closer to home and to some of our listenership here, which is, of course, Western New York and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills traded up from 21 to 12, and uh, the rumor had been at the time that they were going to trade up to three and grab the, grab the Colts pick, but the Jets beat them to the punch. 
then the then the Bills signed Nas. You're the big Bills. AJ McCarron. McCarron. They yeah. signed McCarron. Uh, Taylor left. Um, some of us feel the Bills uh, might make a move to try to grab uh, one of the top four. Although I've heard uh, in the latest uh, Bleacher Report reports that they may be looking at Lamar Jackson. Uh, the quarterback from Louisville, who uh, and the Bills are in the twelve yep. hole. Where do you force? Do you foresee, or have you heard anything that the Bills may um, may be trying to make a move to get up, uh, get grab one of the top you know, four? I, I hear the I hear the same I hear the same uh, rumblings that you do, and this is what makes this draft so intriguing. Um, the Bills, I think, become a little bit of a. Of, of a little bit of the wild card of where they want to try and get to. What are they willing to get up to go get someone? Uh, we know that Cleveland uh, had a shot at A.J. McCarron, I believe, a year ago, but paperwork didn't allow the deal to go through. Um, he's been somewhat coveted, having not had a chance to play much football, but yet when you look at the lack of depth at the quarterback position around the National Football League, A.J. McCarron's name pops up. They lose Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod wasn't going to ever beat you. That was the interesting. He, you know, he, he's a pretty solid football player, and that's why I think Cleveland's got to feel pretty good about what they have. I do. I feel good about Cleveland. As a matter of fact, I, I went out on a limb. I told somebody in Cleveland. I said, I think I think the Browns can go eight and eight this year. Um, that's a big. They opinion. lost four games last year because of decisions out of the quarterback position. Uh, their lack of personnel. They've added some personnel. They've got a lot of draft picks. I think they have a chance to be able to be extremely competitive, um, not only in their division, but when you look at the schedule. But I, I think I think that Buffalo is, is okay with A.J. McCarron. Um, uh, they might be the one that tries to come up inside a four. Maybe they go after Cleveland second um, or the fourth-round pick, their second first-round pick there. That, that, to me, would be the space. I don't see the Giants slide and back out unless they feel like they, they can get an offensive lineman or somebody like that at uh, – at 12. Um, you know, so this is, this is one of those, like I said, this is a very intriguing draft, and so much of it has to do with people positioning to try and get certain players. I mean, they have right now the first 10, maybe 15 teams know exactly who they want. There's no, there's no what-ifs, there's no best player on the board. They know exactly what they want because every one of those teams needs something. Washington Redskins have Alex Smith, and Cousins has gone his way. Uh, Are the Skins better off with Smith than Cousins? Well, I think, you know, Kirk has had an unbelievable run there three years. The touchdown-to-interception ratio, the completion percentages, they were almost some of the best in the league. And Alex has played really, really solid, good football. They're a little bit different from a playing standpoint. Alex is, uh, I think... You know, moves around a little bit more from an athletic standpoint. Kirk can, but he really didn't. He stayed somewhat in the system a lot. The reason why it's a better deal for everybody is the drama has now been eliminated. Um, there was a tremendous amount of drama every week about Kirk, you know, playing for his job, playing under the franchise tag. What are the Redskins going to do? What is Kirk going to do? And and it was just a, a constant nagging topic of conversation. All the drama has passed now. Now you can look at football in Washington and focus on players. And, and I think it's a good reason for that. But everybody got what they wanted. Kansas City wanted Pat Mahomes to be the quarterback. 
Alex wasn't going to be there anyway. The Redskins knew that Kirk would have to pay him $34 million if they franchised him again, which made no sense whatsoever because they have other people they need to sign. And, and so everybody got what they want. Kansas City got what they wanted. The Redskins got what they wanted. And Minnesota has, I believe, gone all in. Two teams in the National Football League have made a play in the offseason to say, we expect to be in the Super Bowl, Minnesota and the Rams. Those two teams. We're talking to Joe Theismann. Joe, uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to let you go. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned I may be holding you up from a tea time. And I'm hopefully <laughs> no, we- no, no. I, actually, you know what I'm doing, you know, if I can take a second. Yeah, absolutely, we, Joe. Uh, I, I was at the Notre Dame spring game yesterday. Yeah. I'm here in South Bend, Indiana. And we have, over the next 29 hours, roughly, starting at 6 o'clock tonight Eastern, we have a thing called Notre Dame Day. And it's everything Notre Dame, from interviews with players, coaches, people in theater. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Patrick Reed tonight at 9 o'clock. Wow. Um, okay. The Masters champion, who yep. is a huge Notre Dame fan, who we didn't really – I never knew that. Oh, then, um, Joe, I don't want to interrupt so you was, here, but put me on the list for next year because uh, <laughs> I am the biggest Notre Dame guy you're ever going to find. I, I, I watch my Rudy tape at least three times a year. <laughs> Uh, so please put me on the list. I'm going to, I'm going to send you a text. I'm sorry to interrupt you. And since we got this opportunity, I can't let it go because I take all kinds of abuse in this studio from all these Alabama guys. Uh, but you know what? The Fighting Irish went to the NCAA uh, hockey final and the Lady Irish won. Was that unbelievable? That was uh, a I mean, ve- two games, Connecticut and Mississippi State, just, the, it just, Extraordinary, and I got to rub it into my Alabama guys. Absolutely. You know what? what this has women, been a good start. Did, what our women did, our basketball, our, our women's basketball team. Not only did they beat Connecticut, who was thirty-six and zero, yeah. they beat Mississippi State on you know two yeah. incredible shots. Uh, and and the thing is, see, Alabama only had one dramatic moment. Notre that was Dame pretty dramatic, two. though, Joe. <laughs> But you know what? But Notre Dame had two. You, you, and, and keep no, going, and Joe. No Alabama person can deny that. Anyways, Joe, it's uh, the, I love talking to you about more. <laughs> it's more about Notre Dame. You know what? I'm going to take advantage. We got you on the show, and we're going to let you go because uh, you've got to get on. Let me on just with say where day. everybody can watch the shows tonight. It's at it's at NotreDameDay.nd.edu. Online, I'll so. be watching Joe and put yep. me on the list for next year, please. I've got to get You've down. Got it. I got to get got down. It. Listen, Joe, we know we we know we held you up a bit today, and we apologize. Uh, but you you're always gracious with your time with us, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Well, let me just say one one last last please thing. please go Argos. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Have a good day. Thanks so much, Joe. Joe Theismann, always, uh, always a pleasure having him. He's uh, still beloved in the Toronto area. And uh, sorry, Naz, but I got to get a. That's not fair to me. You know, you got Mister Notre Dame in the studio, and the the king of Notre Dame, Joe Theismann, and then there's poor me who's. Hey, you know what? You, you you you've had an opportunity to rub it into me for I don't know how many years. <laughs> I had to put up with you and Franceschetti. For I don't know how many years, That's Alabama this, Louis Alabama that. On, is Alabama. Yeah, and I don't know if you just saw it. It was just announced at 2000. And I hope we're, you know, let me touch, let me touch wood here. Uh, 2028 and 2029, Alabama and Notre Dame have just announced a home-and-home home series. I don't know why they have to wait 10 years to do it, but that's, that's the business of college football these days, apparently. Um, 
Anyways, uh, we've, we've got a few minutes left and uh, a couple of things I, I do want to chat about. First of all, I don't know if you've been watching us on, uh, for all of you listeners that have been watching us live uh, on, uh, on video live streaming, there's a young man sitting in the corner of the studio today who's been joining us just to, just to have a look at the way things work is Jeremy Biederman, who uh, uh, does a blog site, Jeremy TF Quarter. Uh, he's in. Uh, he's in inspecting us, seeing if we're doing a good job for Zoomer Radio. So, Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us. You're hiding here behind the computer. Uh, hopefully, uh, you learned at least one thing today. We're, uh, you know, uh, uh, we try and do our you, best. You know and... that Wally's a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> so certainly, we'll expect your executive summary after the show on everything we can do better in the future. Anyways, there's there's, there's an important thing happening this week uh, that's been important to me for a while. Um, it's the um, uh, Canada Sports Hall of Fame is going to announce their 2018 class, and uh, um, we've we've talked about. It. There's a specific gentleman that's not in that class, and uh, and I you know don't know what's uh, what's happening with this year. I know it's very difficult to get into Canada Sports Hall of Fame, and you're wearing a sweater today, Naz. So uh, I hope the shun- the sun shines this uh, at some point in time. At some time. Uh, whether this year, next year, or in the next 20 years, uh, I, I firmly believe that Mr. Keon will be in Canada Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, if not this year, then hopefully at a moment in time where he can still enjoy it. Um, I've, we've, I've, ch- we've chatted at length about our, adma- our admiration. Uh, we lobbied extensively to uh, have his sweater retired and have him on Legends Row at the uh, at the ACC, and we saw that he was voted the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf in history, and that's why, obviously, uh, in this moment of exuberance, in this moment of joy for the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's why you have that number 14 sweater on today, Naz. Uh, so Canada Sports Hall of Fame, it's missing somebody, uh, and it will happen, um, and hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, Naz, uh, we've got uh, two minutes left. I usually give you the last word. I'll let you. I'll give you. I'll turn it over to you. And uh, what's on uh, your mind? Uh, you want to get off your chest? Do you want to give the pizza away now? At the end of the <laughs> no, show? we'll we'll save next week. Okay. Well, to all our listeners, uh, we got uh, we ran a little bit behind. Uh, obviously, when you're dealing when speaking with Harry Neal in a, in a dramatic Leafs victory. Uh, we have these three Pizzaville coupon, Pizzaville coupons. I don't know if you've been listening to their commercials lately, Naz. They're, they're, they're the absolute good. best radio commercials ever. So clever, so inventive. We've got three of them. Listen in next week. We'll be given next three weeks. We'll be giving one away every week. They're fifty dollar coupons. If you haven't had Pizzaville pizza lately, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm not a homer on this one. It's it's truly an outstanding. You know, you know, having having uh, you know, Naz. We're both from Italian families. We know what we know what good pizza is, and uh, you know, my wife makes a great pizza. My mother-in-law makes a great pizza. Uh, Pizzaville Pizza is truly an outstanding pizza. It so, sure is. Uh, we didn't get time to give them away this week, but certainly we'll we'll start next week. So listen in to fifty dollar coupons. And we'll be thrilled to start giving those away. One minute left. Here's my last words. Uh, we spoke about this gentleman two weeks ago on our show with Eddie Andelman. Good point. We yes. lost a uh, professional wrestler, Bruno Sammartino. Bruno, rest in peace, buddy. Bruno, you know what? Thank you so much, Nas, uh, for for reminding me about that. I, I I posted a Facebook post, and you know we all joke about wrestling. Um, 
you know, that it's fixed and it's fake and it's this and it's that. And I get it all. It's, I get the part that it's entertainment. But Bruno Sammartino uh, was a legend. He said he was his nickname was the living legend and him and Muhammad Ali in in the 60s they were absolutely huge um and he was the first real superstar um and um you know we loved you know you and I have always been big wrestling fans so yeah Naz perfectly appropriate thank you for bringing that up no um and yes Bruno please rest in peace it's been another fantastic week on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Hopefully, the Leafs will be in the second round. Wouldn't that be great? Have a great week, everyone. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.